Tonight on Huckabee, U.S. intelligent expert Rebecca Koffler. Close-up magic with Mervant. The inspiring story of neurosurgeon Dr. Jason Cormier. High-energy music duo Cliff and Susan Prouse. Trey Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike One of the greatest crowds we've ever had in our theater, and we are so happy to have them. Uh, we're going to lock the doors and keep them. They're going to be back next week because we like these people. And by the way, uh, next week, I've got a very special guest. It took me all kinds of machinations to get this guest here. Uh, the new governor of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, on our show next week. I had to go through 13 different people to the governor's office just to be able to get through. <sighs> there goes her inheritance. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> well, I'm just back from Israel, where I had the pleasure of shepherding 350 wonderful people from all over America to see the land of the Bible, walk the steps of Jesus, and to experience this modern-day miracle of a nation, the state of Israel. Hard as it is to believe... Their politics is maybe even more messy than ours. Now, there's a very divisive battle going on in the Israeli government over the role of their Supreme Court. As many as 100,000 protesters took to the streets while we were there, although we weren't affected by them at all. But with all the protest and rhetoric, there was no burning of police cars. There were no riots involving personal injuries. There was no torching of local businesses or mass looting. What a contrast to what we've seen in our own country the past few years with cities like Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, New York, our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and many others being the very battleground for setting fire to public buildings, setting fire to community grocery stores, and having bricks thrown at completely innocent bystanders, sometimes resulting in serious injury or even death. Here's some observations. First, Israel is the lone democracy in the Middle East, and they allow freedom of speech, protest, and vocal disagreement with the government. Now, try a protest in any of the Muslim-controlled countries in that region, be it Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, or Iran, and see if the government stands by with benign approval, or even worse, helplessness. I'll tell you, the crackdown on protesters by the government of those countries will be swift, effective, and brutal. The Israelis, eh, they're as passionate about their politics and point of view as anyone on earth, but they are overwhelmingly civil. Secondly, when it comes to their national security, they are united. I mean, from the left to the right, they're totally on the same page to protect their borders and to be prepared to defend their homeland from attack. Out of sheer necessity, they realize that the anti-Semitic enemies from their neighborhood and all over the globe are always wanting to pounce. 
an attempt to destroy this tiny little nation that has the physical footprint no bigger than the size of New Jersey. They can have their internal struggles, but when it comes to protecting their existential right of their very existence, they're unified and prepared. I envy them for their ability to recognize real threats to their way of life. They don't just patrol their borders, they control their borders. The thought that, yep, they do. The thought that millions of people would just illegally walk across their border and enter Israel and expect housing, medicine, food, and education is laughable to them. Now, there are kind and generous people, but they aren't stupid. And they don't use their military as a woke playground to make sure that their defense forces are all about diversity, equity, and political correctness. No, over there, every male, every male at the age of 18 is required to serve in the Army for three years. Every female is required to serve in the Army two years. They're wearing military uniforms and defending their country, while a lot of 18-year-olds in America are crying if we don't use their pronouns. <laughs> I truly do worry for our country. I mean, but the signs of hope I see are parents showing up at school board meetings to demand that their children's curriculum focuses on actual skills of, you know, things like reading and math, instead of the nonsense of little boys simply imagining themselves to be girls and playing in women's sports and undressing in the girls' locker rooms. But I also see hope in moments like what appears to be happening on college campuses like the Asbury Revival, where young people who are sick, indeed sick, of the emptiness of a godless culture, they're falling on their knees. But they're not on their knees to show contempt for the flag or the national anthem. They're on their knees to pray. I've heard some critics of Asbury who are uh, somehow able to find fault with some things being said, but I gotta tell you, I'm a lot less concerned that some college students might not do a spiritual awakening just as perfectly. I'm more worried that there would be no spiritual hunger at all on the campuses. I'm praying that what's happening at Asbury and these other campuses is a spiritual awakening that will shake college students and their campuses to be the breakthrough that our nation needs for leadership and a return to biblical norms of behavior and viewpoints. Thousands of students on their knees in prayer, it encourages me. Thousands looting, rioting, and committing acts of violence is what scares me for the future of my country and the hope for my grandchildren. Tonight, former intelligence officer and Russia expert Rebecca Koffler is going to be talking with us on the latest regarding the war in Ukraine. And then we got some great close-up magic with Mervant and a whole lot more. Don't you dare go anywhere because we're going to be right back.
Welcome back. Now, we recently crossed the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. In that time, Ukraine has exacted an extraordinary toll on Russian forces in no small part due to the aid that the U.S. has been sending to Ukraine. In that time, we've sent almost $50 billion to Ukraine, about half of that for security assistance. Also in that time, the public support for aid to Ukraine has shifted. So we sent our Huckabee correspondent, Rick Roberts, right into downtown Nashville to ask some folks what their thoughts were on the issue. How do you feel about the United States sending aid to Ukraine? I have mixed feelings about it. We support the people of the Ukraine and their quest for democracy. It's just tough to overlook when Russia invades a foreign country. You know, I think they need to take care of that, this land first before they look out for any other lands. That's the problem now. Send them as much as they need. You know, they're doing all work. They're killing commies. It's good. Uh, I prefer they spend the money here in the U.S., especially on the Ohio train ram and things like that. I do believe we need to send the aid to the Ukraine. I believe we need to stand up against Putin and just help them out. We don't have enough money here, it seems like, to take care of what we need to here. It seems like our priorities are mixed up. I think it's a good cause, yeah, to save our democracy and theirs. So. We are humans and we're supposed to help each other. But uh, at the same time, uh, we have to see how that is affecting us. But we're always helping. We're always going to help everyone else. Everyone always comes to the United States for the assistance, whatever it is. So, okay, so be it. What are we going to do about it? It's what we do. It's who we are. It's all good. <laughs> this is Rick Roberts on the streets of Nashville, Tennessee, reporting for Huckabee. Well, thank you very much, Rick. Some great insights from real people in downtown Nashville. By the way, be sure to check out Rick Roberts' comedy and more online. We have a direct connection to you at Huckabee.tv. Well, for more insight on this topic, we've got Rebecca Koffler with us. She's a former U.S. intelligence official, born in the Soviet Union, and considered one of the foremost experts on Russian military strategy. The war in Ukraine, well, it drags on, and Russian President Vladimir Putin he just doesn't show any sign of backing down. So we're going to ask Rebecca what she thinks about the way the U.S. is going about this whole thing. Welcome back to the show, Rebecca Koffler. Rebecca, great having you back. <laughs> President Biden, he just got back from Ukraine. Yes. Um, did anything significant get accomplished by his being there, having the conversation with President Zelensky? What do you think? Nothing really got uh, accomplished. Yes, he had a photo op, right? He wants to show to Zelensky, to the Ukrainian people, who, by the way, have fought valiantly. Yes, they have. Um, but in terms of practical impact, no, Putin is not afraid of uh, words. Putin is not afraid of all these various threats that President Biden has done. Putin is afraid of real action. And unfortunately, President Biden lacks strategy to win. He keeps throwing mindlessly money and weaponry, thinking that if he sucks the American taxpayer dry, the problem's gonna go away. But no, weapons and technology don't win wars. Strategy does, and so, we don't have one. And so what would be the strategy that we should be employing? Because I heard a general today, and, and I, I thought the follow-up question was begging to be asked, but it didn't get asked. And the general, a very respected guy, um, made the comment, he said that we're gonna be in a permanent war this is not going to end anytime soon, and it is not going to end well if it ends at all. 
And he said, we're doing the wrong thing. And I was waiting for the reporter to say, so what's the right thing? They never <laughs> asked the questions. I'm going to ask you, is there an exit from this? How does this end? Well, the gentleman with whom you spoke, I agree with him. Unless some cooler heads prevail right now in the Biden administration and in the Pentagon, and they start putting pressure on Zelensky to accept reality and to accept the terms, this war is going to go when you, when you indefinitely. When you say the terms, what kind of terms would Zelensky have to accept for it to end? And would Putin end it because... He seems to have his ambition to rebuild the old Soviet Union. He does have that ambition, but he is not having any ambition to secure the entire control of Ukraine. Look, the Russian military has exhibited tremendous tactical incompetence, right? Yeah. So their typical strategy is to outsuffer and outlast the adversary. It, it is called the meat grinder. They keep throwing uh, bodies in. So, and he can go forever, like you said, because Ukraine's population is 43 million, the Russian population 143, the Russians lost 25 million people. So throwing flesh at the problem is not an issue for them. So the, the terms that my intelligence analysis tells me that Putin would accept, but Zelensky is not willing to, is to keep the 20% um, uh, of the territory that the Russian forces have already uh, captured, plus Crimea, and have the West recognize it, which we never would, because that just really shows Putin that, that he won. And that's the conundrum. But in reality, Ukraine is a buffer state uh, governor. We, the United States and NATO, we want to use Ukraine to protect us from the Russian threat and the Russians want to use Ukraine to protect themselves. But the truth is, is that various people, including the Biden administration, they're worried about Putin going after Poland. And how in the world, it's nonsensical. Putin uh, is not gonna, he's not suicidal, right? Because going after Poland is gonna trigger Article 5, right? Yeah. That we can obliterate Russia in like two days. So it's nonsensical, to, Putin has no claims on Poland. You know, if, if that continues, um, the big question is, what happens if Putin disappears? Does this end then because there's nobody in Russia that wants to push it like he has? Unfortunately, no. Uh, Governor Putin did not uh, devise this whole strategy by himself. He has an entire regime and apparatus that has spent 10 years developing the strategy. There's a person who is Nikolai Patrushev, who is the head of Russia's Security Council, who would at least temporarily step in. And then another possibly even worse dictator would come. This is just how uh, the Russian government works, right? Um, it, it's not going to solve the problem. We have a Russia problem that needs to be managed and Putin needs to be dealt with on a transactional basis, not like moral lecturing and not like pleading with him, but purely transactional basis. Well, it's a shame that hasn't been done so far because there's a lot of uh, people who have lost their lives and their limbs and the economies of both countries have suffered dramatically. Rebecca, it's great to have you here. I want to remind everybody her book. We talked about it when she was here before, Putin's Playbook, a real insight into Vladimir Putin from someone who has spent her life as a uh, intelligence analyst looking at Russia and what they do. For our audience, you can get that book 
Putin's Playbook Anywhere books are sold. Or you can head over to Huckabee.tv where you can also find links to follow Rebecca on social media. Keith, we're going to see if you can give us a little aid by revealing what we've got coming up in the show next. Well, coming up, Tennessee House Majority Leader William Lambert passes culture-shocking legislation. And later, a close magic with the incredible Mervant. You're watching Huckabee. This is such an excited audience tonight is because they're getting to listen to the finest band in America, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. We are right now booking a limited number of cabins on our Mediterranean cruise. We'll be tracing the steps of Paul in the early church. That's October the 28th through November the 7th of this year. I'd love for you to join me for a fun but inspirational and refreshing experience aboard a luxury cruise ship that we're going to have all to ourselves. Larry Gatlin, Shonda Pierce, Guy Penrod from the Gaither Vocal Band, and a whole lot of others will be with us. So sign up right now at thegreatesttrip.com so you do not miss this trip of a lifetime. Well, earlier this week, Tennessee State House Republicans overwhelmingly passed a bill to ban gender transition procedures on minors. Good for them. And in the next week, that bill is expected to become law with the signature of the governor. William Lamberth is Tennessee State House Majority Leader. He's the one who introduced the legislation and shepherded it through. He says no child should ever have to be in the position of making permanent life-altering decisions to disfigure their bodies and that the state shouldn't support it or even allow it. I want you to welcome to the show, he happens to be the representative for our theater and here on our campus where we do this show. We're really proud of that. The leader of the majority, William Lambert. William, great to have you here. I, I think you can tell the audience appreciates what you uh, were able to get through. But there were a lot of people who didn't like what you got through, and they said, oh, this is terrible. You're keeping uh, doctors from making decisions. But this isn't about doctors. This is about little kids and, and young teenagers. Absolutely. And Governor, I'll tell you, I never dreamed in my life that we would be battling these type of issues here in Tennessee or anywhere in the world, quite frankly. But, you know, we're both recovering teenagers. Yes. Uh, it's been a little while for you. Okay. Uh, a long time so, for me. Long time. Yes, it has. But you remember those years, I'm sure. Barely, okay? but I do. And yeah. we made it through it. But, I mean, it's a difficult time in folks' lives. Your body is changing. You're growing. There's things happening you don't understand. And the worst thing you can do to a child who's dealing with body dysphoria or gender dysphoria where they're uncomfortable with that process of maturing into an adult is to say, well, I'll tell you what. If we'll just start cutting body parts off or adding body parts on or give you chemicals that will castrate you or make you sterile for life, then you'll be fine. That's the worst thing you could tell to somebody. What these children need is love and support and to be told by everyone around them that they are beautiful just how they are. And that's an affirmation of their lives. 
I'm sure that in the course of this, you had some people who testified, uh, maybe who had gone through these procedures and then regretted it. Was that a, a big part of helping to convince people that this legislation was necessary? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, there was one young lady that testified and, and it broke my heart because I have children. I mean, I, I grew up in a large family. Some of my family's here today, obviously. So uh, you've heard some of them applauding. I cheated a little bit, Governor. Yeah. I had some of my family. Come, yeah, you so, did. You, know. you filled up the, the room with all your friends and constituents. So that's that's I, okay. I've got a lot of cousins in Sumner <laughs> County, okay? It happens. My dad's here. So, you know, in, in looking at these young people when they testified, one of the young ladies, when, when she was talking about what happened to her, she, she had depression issues. She had some other issues um, that she needed help with. And when she went to the doctor, they met a couple of times and they said, well, you're transgender. That's the problem. So they put her on testosterone. She said it broadened her shoulders. It deepened her, deepened her voice. And a couple of years after that, when she was 15 or 16 years old, they did a double mastectomy on this little girl. 15. At, at 15, 16, right old. in that area. And at 18 years old, she's testifying in front of a committee as to the absolute pain and devastation that that went through in her body. And what she told us is she said, before she was even a woman, while she was still a girl, they stole her opportunity to even know what it is to be a woman. Wow. And she looked at this committee of grown mm. people that she didn't even know. And she said, what I'm trying to tell you is that I'm ugly and I don't know what to do about oh. it. Oh and one my of my gosh. colleagues, I'm so proud of him, Representative Farmer from over in East Tennessee, he called her back up there after her testimony. He looked her in the eye and he said, young lady, I want you to know this. You are beautiful. Mm. Just the way you are, you are absolutely beautiful. Don't you ever let anybody tell you any different. That's what these children need. They need to know that it is a normal process to go through adolescence and that we love them. What a powerful testimony that must have been. Um, I know that there are is a harsh reaction. The ACLU says they're gonna sue the state of Tennessee. Uh, I know you've been called some of the nastiest names that any human being has been called. Were there moments that you just wondered if it was worth all that you have been through and that your colleagues have been through to push this? Because, you know, the elites of the world think that, well, you're just a hateful person. When you've got a child who is, who is in this bad a position, I had to just pray about it, look at all the scientific evidence, talk to the smartest doctors and individuals that I know out there and try to get the best guidance, talk to my constituents about, look, in Tennessee, what's best for our kids here? Because it does take a community to raise a child. And then at the end of the day, I felt confident that we were doing the right thing. And in fact, we had 74 Republicans voting for this and then three Democrats voted for it as well. It, in the end, was a bipartisan effort mm -hmm. um, and put, passed overwhelmingly in the House and in the Senate. Uh, Leader Jack Johnson in the Senate carried it very well over there. And I am confident that Governor Lee will sign this piece of legislation. So for me, I just had to pray about it and know in my heart and my soul that we're gonna be saving kids' lives, we're gonna be saving their dignity, we're gonna be making sure that they know they are perfect just the way God made them. And that way they're able to chart the course whatever way they want. I wanna say thank you. I think the country thanks you. It's landmark legislation. I predict it's gonna be copied all over the country in state legislatures and thank you very much. Now, for our audience, you can keep up with the Tennessee House Majority Leader on social media. And as always, we've got the links for you at Huckabee.tv. So please get in contact. If nothing else, send him a note and tell him thank you and that you're praying for him because he's going through a lot. The people are pressured. Let him know that you appreciate it. All right, Keith, we're going to turn it over to you. Tell us what we have coming up. We'll prepare for a visit to a most unusual our kind of town. And then the magic and music of Vermont. All ahead on Huckabee.
GovMikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Well, we finally did it. After decades of wondering what's going on there, we have managed to sneak Keith Bilbrey into this place. Where, you might ask? Well, Keith is about to tell you on this week's Our Kind of Town. Calling all Earthlings, are you ready for the ultimate intergalactic adventure? Well then, welcome to Nevada's Area 51, the land of mystery and excitement. But don't let the government secrecy stuff fool you. There's plenty of fun to be had here for the adventurous traveler. First up, we have the famous extraterrestrial highway, where you can spot some of the most unusual flying objects known to man. Just don't forget to bring your tinfoil hat for extra protection. Next, visit the Alien Research Center, where you can learn all about the history of Area 51 and maybe even catch a glimpse of a real-life alien. But don't worry, they're all friendly, probably. For the more daring, there's always the option to sneak into the restricted area and try to find the legendary Area 51 underground base. But now be warned, if you get caught, you might end up being experimented, experimented on by the government, or worse, subjected to their terrible cafeteria food. So yeah, it's not a great idea. And you might have more fun at the annual Area 51 Festival, where you can meet fellow enthusiasts, attend talks by UFO experts, and even participate in an alien costume contest. And at night, go camping with your telescope ready and get ready for some extraterrestrial stargazing. And last but not least, the highlight of any trip to Area 51, the Alien Burger as the Little Alien. It's a burger so out of this world, you'll think it's from a galaxy far, far away. So why visit Area 51? Sure, the mystique and conspiracy theories are intriguing, but the real reason to come is for the exciting and unique experiences. So pack your bags, bring your sense of adventure, and come see for yourself what's really going on in the desert. Who knows? You may just have a close encounter of a fun kind. That's why Area 51 Nevada is our kind of town. <laughs> oh, Keith, I, I love your headgear right now. We want to give our thanks to Lincoln County and Travel Nevada for helping us tour the area. And of course, the men in black for not wiping our memories. <laughs> or did they? I guess we'll never know, will we? I, I'm just not sure. Well, that can't get to me because I am protected. <laughs> Keith, you know what's amazing to me? It's not that you went, which wow. we were very happy that you did. What amazes me, they let you get out of there and come back. I thought they would have kept you for sure. I'm actually an alien. This is not the real Keith. Oh, okay. <laughs> We've wondered because the real Keith would never wear a hat like that. You I'm bet that's sure. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go from Area 51 to the mysterious world of magic. This performer wowed the judges on America's Got Talent with Howie Mandel calling him the magical hip-hop version of Tony Robbins. He's a unique magician who brings an inspiring story with him. I want you to please welcome 
Mervant. Thank you. Come on over, Governor. <laughs> Let's see what you hello, got. Hello, hello. All right, man. How's it going, Governor? Great to have you here. Great to be here. It's great to be here. So, uh, man, uh, America's Got Talent uh, it has been, been an amazing journey. And I, I can't believe it's brought me here to Nashville, Tennessee. I'm glad to uh, show you a few things today. Okay, let's see. Uh, now, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, do, you, do you play cards at all? Uh, go fish. I'm, I'm a real okay, okay. Uh, ace so, at that. Now, it's, here's the yeah. funny thing. Now, if I was to ask you to, to think of a card or to name a card, you might think of a couple cards right away. But I want you to think of a card that you don't usually think of, maybe. Okay. Uh, could, you, could you name a card out loud? Uh, three of clubs. The three of clubs. Yeah, I don't think about that very often. That's, that's one of my favorite of cards. So, uh, you know, I, I do magic and music. I mix them together. And yeah. I have a lot of favorite musical artists, uh -huh. a lot of hip-hop artists. And you said the three of clubs. This is yeah. the weirdest thing. In my deck, I actually name my playing cards. You do? I named, I really named them. So okay. here's the weirdest thing. Uh, we've got a bunch of cards. For example, uh, one of my favorite groups, The Roots from Philadelphia. That's okay. the Queen of Hearts. And then we've got the two of spades. It's like Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang. And uh, I want to show you this. This is really interesting. That sounded like a Chinese dish at the restaurant. It really <laughs> so did. There's uh, one Wu-Tang. There's one card that's face down. Okay. Yeah. And look, so we've got the Roots. We've got Wu-Tang. We've got ASAP Rocky, E-40, all these Dr. Dre, Tupac, all these famous rappers. Uh, but here's the weirdest thing. Cardi B, Outcast. There's one card that's face down in this deck. And not only that, there's one card. Could you take it out? There's Can one I look card. at it Take I a do? look at it. What card is that? <laughs> it's the oh three of clubs. Oh my gosh. And who's that. that named after? Look at that. It's Huckabee and it's three of clubs. That was named after you. I swear we did not talk about this. <laughs> and not only that, but that's, a, that's an obscure card. I never would have ordinarily picked that. It's, it's, that's it's, crazy. It's crazy. So it's got I, my name on it and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. And, um, you know, it's, How do you do that? Huh? <laughs> Give me that tinfoil hat, Keith. I need that you thing know, right now. And I, what I do uh, in my show, and show, I'm in a show called AGT Superstars in Las Vegas yeah. right now. And what I do is I, I do a little bit of music, a little bit of magic, and a little bit of inspiration. Okay. I'm going to try something special for your audience tonight. You already did something special. I'm, I'm anxious <laughs> to see the next one. So uh, we have a few balloons that are in the audience. A few balloons. Can we start bouncing those balloons around? Can you guys move those around so they're all, all over the place? Make it as random as possible. Have fun with it. Bounce them around. Yeah, throw those. Toss them around. There they go. <laughs> there we go. And, Governor, I want you to say stop whenever you want. Say stop okay. whenever you want. Stop. Stop. Right there. So if you have a balloon, oh, there it is. If you have a balloon, stand up. Stand up right there. If you have a balloon, and great. And hold your balloon up in the air. We have a bunch of different balloons. I see uh, Miss in the front. How are you? How are you? Doing pretty good. Governor, I'm going to give you a, a marker here. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask everyone holding a balloon to name some numbers. You're going to write them in this circle and here. So are these Chinese balloons, by the way? I'm just curious. <laughs> you know where they... We don't know. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Miss, in, with the purple balloon, could you name a number between 1 and 60? Uh, 50. 50. 50. Write it in there. We get 50 right in that first circle. 50. Uh, you can sit down. Great. And uh, I see a green balloon over there. How you doing? Uh, can we get a number between 1 and 60 from you? 21. That's 21, great, 21. And the, and the next one, uh, we have a blue balloon. There we go. How you doing? I'm great, thank you. Great, can we get a number from you? 44. 44. 44, great number. Great number. My we have, age. Uh, the yeah. white balloon, how you doing? Well, and yourself? Great, great. Could you give us a number between 1 and 60, the first one that comes to your mind? Nine. 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 Down number to the single nine. digits there, okay. Uh, we have a green balloon in the back. Yes, you, miss. Oh, okay, 59. Was that 59? Yes. Great, 59, not 69, oh, great. Okay. And, um, <laughs> nice. And, uh, Governor, we need yes. one more number. Yes, we do. This is gonna be a special number. Uh, okay. It's a number between one and 26. Could okay. you 
Name one out loud. First one that comes to your mind. 13. Lucky number 13. All right, lucky number 13. That goes in the last, the last one right there. Okay. And that's random, right? Would you say that's pretty random? Very random. Would you guys say that's random? Yeah, 52. You would say that's random? 59, 13. Uh, here's the weirdest thing about this. What's that? There's a little, uh, a little question mark right there. Yes. Could you flip over that card? Okay. On that question mark? All right. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me what it says? July 7th, 2021. Yes, that was the day that uh, I was sitting in my home uh -huh. and I decided <laughs> that I was gonna make a decision. I left my day job, I quit my day job on the spot and I said, I'm gonna do magic for a living. I'm gonna make this magic thing work. And that's what life is about, taking chances. And mm. it reminded me of something I brought with me today. That day, on July 7th, 2021, I purchased something and it's inside this little box right here. Inside this box, can you tell everyone what you see inside? Little, it uh, looks like something. A little piece of paper. paper. Yeah. Now, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and uh, this is actually a Powerball ticket yeah. from July That's exactly what it is. Could you yeah. name the numbers out loud no on that Powerball ticket? The numbers I played that day, could you name those out loud? <sighs> okay, this is what they are. Nine. Nine. 21. 21. 44. 44. 50. 50. 59. 59, and what is, what is the Powerball number? 13. That day? 13. 13. It's on there. It's on there. <laughs> but that's the thing, it's these, it's these random chances that bring <laughs> us to random places in life. Some of those places that feel like destiny. Uh, let's try this, I have a calculator here. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna cover this up. And right. uh, we're gonna enter some numbers. We got nine, we're gonna do times, that's uh, 59 times, that's 13 times. Could you put 50? 50? 50. 50 times, uh, what's that, 21 times 44 times, and I'm gonna cover this one up. I want you to think of a single digit number. You don't have to show us, press it into the calculator. Press it in. Just any number. Yeah, click on it, go for it. Nice, and push equals, okay. push equals. All right. And you should have a, if you move the question mark away, we should have okay. a pretty big, a pretty yeah, big number Yeah, it's a pretty there, big right? number. A pretty big number. Could you uh, name that number one digit at a time? I hope I didn't mess this up. <laughs> the number is 8,241,955. Yes. Uh, that will be the balance for the show tonight. Thank you, guys. My name is... <laughs> well, here's the thing. Okay. As random as this is. Yeah. Could you tell me your birthday? Yeah. When's your birthday? You gotta be kidding. When is eight, it? That is 24. Eight, 24. 1955. 1955. That is your birthday and your numbers. <laughs> this is, this is insane. Oh, man. Thank you. This guy is amazing, I'm telling you. I don't know, I, I, I'm, I need help, I really do. I need a counselor. But if you want more of this amazing, unique magic of Mervant, please visit Huckabee.tv. This guy is incredible. Keith, I don't know if you can pull something amazing out of your tinfoil hat for our next segment, but give it a try. Ooh, I hate to follow that act. How about an author, brain surgeon, race car driver, musician, and basketball star, all in one guest. 
Dr. Jason Cormier is coming up next on Huckabee. April, exclusively in theaters, TBN is debuting The Journey, a music special from Andrea Bocelli. Now, you're going to follow the world's greatest tenor on a horseback pilgrimage along the Italian countryside. You'll also be treated to world-class performances and great conversations with premier voices like Michael W. Smith, Taryn Wells, Tori Kelly, and a whole lot more. It is a wonderful film that presents the best of music, faith, love, and God's beautiful creation. It's going to be in theaters April 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 6th. Go to thejourney.movie, get your tickets, because they're selling fast. Jason Cormier uh, dreamed of NBA stardom, and when that didn't happen, he didn't let it stop him. Today, he's one of the world's top neurosurgeons, he, but he's also a hip-hop recording artist, a race car driver, he's a podcaster, and also an author. His inspiring new memoir is called Driven, and he certainly is. Please welcome Dr. Jason Cormier. Doc? Now, is that LSU fan out here exactly what I expected? Because I'm loving all that you do except for one thing, that LSU connection, brother. I'm just not sure about that. Governor I'm a Pur Razorback, okay? Pur purple and gold runs deep, no matter where you look. Oh. I'm going to get over that because I'm so fascinated by the amazing story that you have. I mean, you played basketball, uh, maybe wanted to go to the NBA and said go to medical school, become not just a doctor, but a doggone neurosurgeon, the most difficult specialty of all. How'd that even happen? Very interesting story. Um, I was always really good in sciences and, you know, point guard is kind of the position that I played, playing under Coach Brown, who's just a legend in the, ba in the basketball world playing alongside of Shaquille O'Neal and Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf and people like that. It was just a very um, nice time at LSU and sciences were, they made it fun. And I became a neurosurgeon. It seemed like the right thing to do. So from neurosurgery, then you get into race car driving. You'd think most neurosurgeons would say, don't get in a race car, that's dangerous. Why did you do it? My brother is to blame for that, my older brother, John. Okay. And so racing starts before you get inside of a car. We used to, <laughs> race to see who could brush their teeth the quickest <laughs> or who could run to switch the light switch on the, the quickest. So racing already started long before I got behind the wheel. And when I once, once I got behind the wheel, it was all over. You do hip hop music and you're a DJ. Correct. How does that factor in race car driving, neurosurgery? Oh, and by the way, I do hip hop music and I'm a DJ. So music has really been in my bloodline for a long period of time. When I was in high school, uh, we had a, a group, and I was the DJ. And yeah. so pursuing med school and basketball, I kind of got away from that. And then I attended the Hangout Fest in Alabama, and I said, you know, it's time to get back to music. 
And so anytime I had some free time, I literally kind of built a studio in my house, started producing some music, and then one track became over now 200 tracks. <laughs> and now I have an EP that's coming out with Colt Ford, uh, Ty Herndon, and, and, uh, and, and Boomtown Saints. So it's really taken a really large leap, and I'm just amazed to be associated with yeah. So is this therapeutic for you? I mean, because that's a stressful thing to be doing surgery on someone's brain and knowing it every time you're there, it's life or death, every single time. It's very therapeutic. In fact, the book was something I was coached into doing, and I really didn't want to share my private life with anyone, much less the world. And that was more therapeutic than I thought it would be. And so surgery is therapeutic. I'm always looking for challenges, whether it's racing, whether it's music, and also in the operating room. And that's where I find peace. You have a little device next to you. It is a collar. I want you to describe it because if, if there wasn't enough going on in your life that doesn't make any connection to the other things, here's yet another example. What is this? So this is called the Q-collar. And it's based on a concept called jugular vein compression. And there was a doctor by the name of Dr. Smith who was at some branch in the military who started studying animals that live by striking their heads. So the woodpecker and the battle ram. So the woodpecker, as some people might know from the movie Concussion, can generate a force of 1,200 to 1,500 Gs every time it strikes that tree. No brain injury. And so what we have in common with the woodpecker and the battle ram, who also they live by striking their heads, is that they have something called the omohyoid ligament in the neck. And so what this does is it applies 1.5 pounds of pressure over the sternocleidomastoids. mastoids. That's kind of your neck muscle here. And that allows a small amount of extra blood in your head so it prevents the slosh effect or the motion of the brain. So it's almost kind of like creating a bubble wrap, if you will, to the brain so it doesn't move around. And Julian Bale said, you know, if the brain doesn't move, the brain doesn't get hurt. This is evidence that you really are the Renaissance man. I mean, I don't know what else is out there. It's all about, in your book, Driven. I can't wait to read this. It's just about to come out. It's, it's going to be an amazing story, and I hope you'll get your copy, the book Driven, by Dr. Jason Cormier. Get his new music and everything else. I mean, one of those collars. Heck, let's throw those into the bag as well. Get it all. But if you want to know how to connect with him, and I have a feeling you do, despite the fact that he went to LSU, the only bad thing about the guy, other than that, he's great. Here's what you do. You go to Huckabee.tv for all the links that you need. Right now, we're going to get one of those collars on Keith because uh, he's about as close to a peckerwood as we know, so I think that'll be helpful. Now, Keith, I got to ask you, how do you follow a basketball-playing, race car-driving, music-making brain surgeon? See what you got. It's not easy, but how about some great American music with Cliff and Susan Krause? That's coming up next on Huckabee. Next week for the new governor of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and mechanics turned country stars, the Malpas Brothers. Welcome back. Cliff and Susan Krause are a dynamic married musical duo from Little Rock, Arkansas, where I live. And there is a reason that I wanted them on the show. They bring an energy to the stage 
that keeps an audience on their feet, and they've mastered the business side of their music to create a successful career. Armed with a fiddle, piano, and guitar, they perform all over the world. They're also award-winning music festival producers and founders of the Entertainers Academy that helps independent artists build careers in music. Please give a warm welcome to a couple of my favorites and soon to be yours, the multi-talented Cliff and Susan Prouse. Very glad to have you guys here. So good to be here. You know, I, I've listened to your music online and, and just enjoyed the extraordinary following that you've created for yourselves. And I told Trey, I said, you know, there's a couple in Little Rock. I, I want to get them on the show because you've written a couple of songs that you're going to do with us tonight, one on air and one digitally. Mm -hmm. Both are your stories. Yeah. One of them is called Fiddle and Keys. Yes, sir. That's right. And it is your story. It is. So the lyrics are about how I was going about life before I met Cliff, BC before Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then the second the second verse is in his his story about yeah. what he was doing before, and then the ending is how we came together and we have our music career. My story seems a little bit more mundane, probably compared <laughs> to hers. But it's, there's nothing mundane about your lives now. Not You're running all. an entertainer's academy. I mean, what I love is that you found a way to make this a full-time life. Music is not just, okay, on the weekends, we'll give a couple of hours. Yeah. You're doing well, but you're doing it because you've learned how to make it work. And I think a lot of people, it's at best a hobby. For you, it's a, it's a lifestyle and a life dream. Yes, and I, you know, I think there's nothing better than being able to share music in life with the crowd and, and just interacting. It's magical to me. So, um, yeah, finding a way to do that with the career and wrap the business around it, music, business, music, and business 50-50, sometimes more on the other side. But, yeah, it's, it's um, and we love to teach it to other um, artists and help them learn and grow in, in the industry. You know, musicians often, you know, we're we're not all there. We, we, we're a little bit more creative, so we focus on the creative side. So uh, <laughs> it is, it is uh, you know, hopefully more of a hobby to, to them too, but that's the, the hard part is the business part. And so we really wrap the bow around how to really make a, a successful career out of it. Well, it's exciting to see you guys go to corporate events. You do community events. I mean, basically any kind of thing. People can book you when you come. And the two of you put together a stage show that has people on their feet. You do over a thousand songs that people love, they know. Uh, and I think that's one of the pieces of the magic that you've created. But the magic that you're gonna do tonight is this phenomenal song, Fiddle and Keys. You mentioned some great artists that have been on this stage, like Charlie Daniels, yeah. Johnny and June Cash. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis hasn't played the stage, but his cousin Mickey Gilly has. So we've got a lot of connection. People need to listen carefully to the songs. And Keith, I want you to know, while Cliff and Susan get ready to wow us, and they will, you tell the viewers how they can hear more of Cliff and Susan. For their recordings, booking information, and to learn about the Entertainers Academy for Indie Artists, just go to Huckabee.tv. You'll also find an exclusive performance, a song for Granddad. Now playing fiddle and keys with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on bass, here are Cliff and Susan Prouse. Won't you play me just a little, please? You play the fiddle and I'll play the keys.
won't you play me just a little, please? You play the fiddle and I'll play the... Perfect plan. You play Charlie, I play Jerry Lee. 